Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's Peter Day here. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel. Uh, we gained about a thousand subscribers between last month and this month, which I thought was pretty impressive growth uh, for the channel because the channel was stuck at about 2,700 subscribers for a long time. And then in about 30 days, it jumped up to about 3,700 subscribers, which is a lot of growth for this niche um, <clears throat> of a channel. So definitely subscribe to the channel. You'll get notified whenever we put out a new podcast and enjoy the episode. So in this episode, we're going to talk about taking risk and managing that risk. In a sense, everything you do in business is either a risk or some kind of opportunity cost. There's something involved and you have to have the right type of risk tolerance. I can tell you, I think there's two extremes. There's one extreme where the person is too risk adverse. And I think that's not good for growing a big business. Um, And then there's a other extreme where there's a person that's just kind of risk reckless, just very reckless with risk. They don't care if they're taking too much risk. They really don't care if they, their business idea completely fails and they lose all of their investors' money. I'm, what I've usually seen, though, is that people that are actually playing with their own money are usually been more responsible than people that have just been playing strictly with other people's money. I'm not a huge fan of the venture capital, Silicon Valley type of model where money is raised and based off of an idea, and then the business has simply grown off of other people's money. I think when the actual business owners or founders have significant skin in the game, if not all of the skin in the game financially, I think there's better responsibility. I think there's better planning. I think there's better calculation. I think there's more care because there's actual skin in the game behind it. It's not just playing with someone else's money, hoping it's going to work out or not work out. So what I'm going to talk about in the podcast is just all types of different things that pertain to risk management. And again, the reason it's important is because you have to get yourself on the right side of the spectrum. I mean, if I were to tell you where to be, I think the best place to be is about maybe an 80% or maybe a 90%. So if 0% is risk adverse, there's these type of people that are so scared of taking any kind of risk or doing anything that they basically don't get off their seat. And I have a story. I mean, before I even got into this industry, I was doing some sales. This was about 12 years ago. And there's this guy that I was trying to... um, join my team. It was more like a network marketing thing, really, is what it was. But there was this guy that was trying to get to join my team, and this dude was just so risk-adverse. I mean, he was interested, but he was just sitting around for just, you know, weeks on end or months on end. He was kind of an odd individual because he was calculating everything and, you know, saying to himself, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to make this, and if I do this, I'll make this, and then if this doesn't work out, and this, and... This guy was just sitting around, sitting around, calculating, thinking, and he just, it just never went anywhere, you know, and I don't know what he's doing today, but if I were to guess, he's probably not doing that large of things because it's just too risk adverse on a scale of 
0 to 100, 100 being the reckless folks, and 0 being the people that are extremely risk-adverse, I would have placed this guy probably more towards the zero end of the spectrum. I mean, he was probably a 10% or an 8% or something like that. And the issue is that if you're just so scared to take any kind of risk, I mean, what you have to realize in business is a lot of the returns have happened with with the risk. Um, if you don't do something above and beyond, if you don't do something that everyone else is not doing, how are you supposed to get ahead? I mean, I think there's two prominent ways you can get ahead and one of them is by working harder and another is by taking calculated risks that other people are not willing to take. You do need to realize if you want to be better than someone else, let's say in business or better than someone else financially, you very well need to do things that someone else is not willing to do. I think a huge component of my success and my business's success and my brother's success is simply we've been willing to work harder than most people. I mean, when most people are partying on a Friday night, I'm up working until, you know, one in the morning on a Friday night. And I've been doing this for the last 10 or 11 years, just simply outworking people um, has been a huge component of our success because there's so many people that are lazy. They're just don't want to work that hard, they're just excited for, you know, what, whatever the slogan is, like, you know, thank goodness it's Friday, it's like, okay, well, if that's the mentality, you know, people all excited that it's Friday, you got to be a little bit different, maybe your mentality is, you know, thank goodness everyone else out, you know, is partying so I can stay up and just do a little better in business and just get ahead, right? So to get ahead, you're going to have to do things that are above and beyond what other people are willing to do. And that could be working harder. It could be taking a risk. We took a risk last year that took our business to the next level. It really did. It was the scariest thing I've ever done. I lost a lot of sleep over it. Literally, literally lost a lot of sleep over it because basically we had an opportunity last year to scale very hard, okay? We were... On average, we were probably spending about $100,000 a day or maybe $80,000 a day the year before or earlier in the year last year. It was, I guess, good in some people's eyes, but honestly, it was a little bit conservative. And we nailed a handful of campaigns last year, and we just finally had an opportunity to, to scale very large. And the reason it was so scary and the reason it was so risky is because we just didn't actually have that much money to be able to support it. I mean, so basically we were very comfortable spending about $100,000 a day. And $100,000 a day is about $3 million a month. So, you know, we were very comfortable at those levels. We, we've been doing that for just we were doing that for just years on end, you know, 100 grand a day, 3 million a month, right? But then suddenly last year, we had a handful of campaigns, at least two or three different verticals simultaneously working out in tandem. And we had an opportunity to scale. And basically, this was a risk that needed to be calculated because what we ended up doing 
was we ended up going for this scale. And it was very scary because we only had about $3 million in the bank. And we started scaling to the point to where we were on track to do about you know, $9 million a month of spend. So basically what happened, it sounds a little crazy, but so basically what happened was instead of spending $100,000 a day on ads, we started spending like $300,000 a day on ads. And you do the math. I mean, if you're spending $300,000 a day on ads and you only have $3 million, what that means is in 10 days, you, you run out of all of your money. In 10 days. Literally, we started, we started doing the scale. So we started scaling, and it was absolutely frightening. I, I have to admit, it was, it, was, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in business because the risk was so high. Like, if, if, if for some reason... I did not get paid back that money or something just crazy happened. I could have lost like all of my money. But you know, we felt like we were calculating this risk ap- appropriately and I would say on a scale of 1 to 100, if 100% is the most reckless, risky people out there, we were probably at a 90% or 95% with what we were scaling cuz basically what we we what we did was we started a scale that we essentially couldn't afford. So, we got about a week into this scale and it was absolutely frightening because the bank account was going down by 1 million dollars every 3 days. Literally, just million, million. It's every every three because we were spending three hundred thousand dollars a day. So every single day, three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Just bomb is oh my goodness, my heart was pounding. It was just absolutely bonkers. Um, can from where we've been, it was just such a leap, and we did not have. $10 million in the bank to support the scale. Now, had we, if we had 10, 15, $20 million in the bank to actually support the scale, I think it would have been more of a leisurely thing. Like, okay, we're going to, you know, $300,000 a day, 400000 a day, no problem. We got $10 million and blah, blah, blah. What was so scary about it was basically we were trying to spend six or $9 million in a single month with only $3 million, and it just doesn't mathematically add up. So what we did was we started doing the scale, and then we realized very quickly into it that the math didn't add up. The bank account was going down, 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 just literally just just scary fast. Every three days, million dollars every three days, practically. And then what we did was we took a very aggressive approach. So we basically went to our clients and we told our clients, listen, we're scaling and we're helping scale your business. And we just took a very high pressure approach. So we basically went to the clients and said, we're scaling. This is what we're doing. And I just went to literally all of my clients. It didn't matter if they were big or small. 
or medium. I went through literally every client that we, we had across the entire board. And I said, listen, we're, we're in a period of scaling right now and we're scaling really hard. And I just said, here's the reality. If we continue to scale at this pace, we're basically going to run out of money in about 10 to 12 days. And if we run out of money in 10 or 12 days, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to pause all of our ads. And then we're going to have to wait a month or two for all of the clients to pay back all of the money so that we can get reimbursed again and we can basically start start up again. This this is what I I literally got on phone calls and I was telling clients this. Like I said I said we have about a 12-day runway here just in 12 days if something doesn't change basically we're just going to run out of money. We're going to have to pause everything in every it doesn't even matter the vertical we we'll just have to pause everything in every vertical. And then we're going to have to wait until the people pay us back because we had so many people that were paying monthly pay, monthly net 30, monthly net 45. Even the bi-monthly things were slow. The twice a month was really slow at that scale. So the the strategy actually worked because we were serious. It wasn't us just calling up and giving some fabricated um story or something. We were we were actually very serious. We were we were very serious about turning off our ads essentially if these clients didn't pay faster. And what we were able to do is one client at a time, we got them all pretty much all to pay faster. Not only do we get all of them to pay faster, but some of them expedited things. I had a few clients say, "Okay, well, we don't want you to stop and we want you to, you know, not have to pause our ads or something. So I had a few clients catch up their invoices um, entirely to like the, not even the billing cycle, but like the previous day. Let's say, let's say the date was July 1st and they owed me money, you know, right up until July 31st. I had a handful of clients just literally front me and expedite everything including past invoices. So then suddenly millions of dollars of owed money came in. And then it's and then not only that, we got people on faster pay terms and we started moving things around. Faster pay terms expedited. And then lo and behold, what we were able to do was we were able to basically pull off we we pulled off like a 9 million dollar month with only about $3 million. Why? Because we were getting our clients to pay us every week, every three days, just aggressively fast pay terms. And basically because of the risk that we took during this period of time, what we were able to do was we were able to earn so much profit that it then took our actual business to the next level. And then all year for 2023, we've been literally spending about $200,000 a day to $250,000 a day this entire year. And it hasn't been scary. And it hasn't been stressful because now our business is just at a bigger level to be able to support it. So it was this crazy kind of risk that we took in this crazy move of action that took our business to the next level. And had we been more conservative and had we not done that, 
I don't think our business would have actually had such a good year in 2023 this year had we not done that. So what, I, what I've learned in performance marketing is you don't want to have regrets, okay? One of the biggest things I learned is when a campaign is working, you want to take advantage of that campaign. If you asked me early on, what was our biggest mistakes when we first started doing affiliate marketing? Our biggest mistakes was not actually taking advantage to the absolute maximum of the campaigns and the opportunity. I remember it was about... Eight years ago, when we first started really having success, we had a, a rent-to-own campaign, okay? So the vertical was rent-to-own, and the campaign was very good because what how the campaign worked is it was kind of classic for the rent-to-own vertical, but ads were being run on Facebook, and we had an email submit. So basically, ads were being run on Facebook, people submitted their email, and after someone submitted their email, they were able to see the rent-to-own listings. Well, this campaign was very lucrative because not only did it earn money on the front end with the rent-to-own listings, but the campaign actually made most of its money from the back end because, believe it or not, Facebook was so cheap back then, and this is part of the you know, zero regrets mindset, Facebook was so cheap eight or nine years ago that when we were doing this, we were collecting 10,000 email addresses a day for not even that much of a budget. I mean, we were only spending $3,000 or $5,000 a day, and we were generating 10,000 emails a day to this rent-to-own thing. And then what was happening was when we were emailing that list, we were just emailing that list related um, offers like rent-to-own, credit repair, credit score. We were also emailing them some subprime things like financial aid, credit cards, and some different things that were working very well too, like become a Lyft driver. So we got very good at email marketing during this period of time and uh, very good at writing emails and just doing email marketing. And this worked for about a year and then it stopped working as well. Facebook got more expensive. The, we were no longer getting 10,000 email addresses a day and just kind of gradually fell apart. And we just segmented to other things and started working on different verticals and different campaigns. And it kind of just phased itself out. My biggest regrets during this period of time is we should have taken more advantage of this opportunity. And, and that's the biggest mistake we made is that we were getting these 10,000 email addresses a day. And the 10,000 email addresses a day was actually very lucrative. When we sent emails to this list, it was so lucrative because what was happening was when we were, think about it, 10,000 subscribers a day. What that means is that every month is 300,000 subscribers. So we did this for about a year and we built up email lists of millions of people. So... When we sent one email, one single email sometimes was earning $8,000 and it was pretty much pure profit because the email servers only cost like $1,000 or $800 a month. And a single email drop was earning about $8,000. Some days we would send two emails in a day, a morning one and an evening one. So the two emails per day was sometimes earning as high as $16 thousand dollars a day and at the time 
we thought this was so big that we were, you know, on top of the world or whatever. Little do we know that $16,000 a day is just not that big. Like I said, these days we've been producing 200000 to $300,000 per day. And if we had known that eight years ago, we would have taken more advantage of this opportunity. The, so the biggest mistake we made was not really exploiting the opportunity to its full potential. If If you put me in that opportunity now in my current shoes, what we would have done is we would have gone absolutely ballistic. Instead of 10,000 subscribers a day, we, we could have scaled that to 100,000 subscribers a day. We could have scaled it across every single email server we can get our hands on. We were really only scaling it with one or two servers. We could have scaled it across different email platforms. We could have diversified the list. We could have had 10,000 subscribers coming in through one platform, 10,000 coming in through a different platform. We could have had 10 platforms, 10,000 subscribers coming in through every single platform every day, 100,000 subscribers a day. And if we had done that kind of volume, we could have easily done at least fifty to $60,000 a day, mostly profit. You then multiply that by a month, and we would have had probably $1.5 million profit months multiplied by 12, and we could have had $17 million a year of profit, very likely, on this opportunity that we just basically didn't take the full advantage to. So I think where people are making the biggest mistake is just not taking the full advantage of the opportunities. You need to be thinking to yourself, if something works, what is the maximum that you can get out of this opportunity? Let's say it works on Facebook. Could this opportunity also work on TikTok ads, Snapchat, um, Google, Bing, YouTube, Native, Twitter, um, you, can it work on more traffic sources? Could it work other places? What is the most you can possibly get out of the opportunity that you're doing? Because you got to remember, in affiliate marketing, usually 80% of the stuff that we've tested has failed and hasn't worked. I mean, failed opportunities has been a standard thing in affiliate marketing. So if the failure rate is really high, what it means is when you find winners, you have to go absolutely ballistic. Basically how you earn your money in affiliate marketing is you test, test, test. You might fail, 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 like 90% of the time. And then you get some campaigns that are working and these campaigns have to be scaled very big because basically scaling the winners helps to earn back all of the losses that you've lost on the losers and then the winners are the big money makers and it's just so important to scale your winners and don't have regrets if you have a campaign that is working figure out how to do the maximum amount of volume on it don't get comfortable don't don't regret six years from now two years from now like oh my goodness i had such a hot campaign it was so profitable i could have done more i had more cap i could have done more but you just didn't for some reason or another. You got lazy. You thought your numbers were big at the time. I'm telling you, your perspective changes. You might think that $20,000 a day is big right now, but then in the future, if you're doing $150,000 a day, you're going to be beating yourself. You're going to say, ah, I just should have done more. I was just all caught up 
thinking that the 20 grand a day was big. And I'm telling you, the, the bigger you get, your mindset shifts. I mean, right now, literally, we've gotten so used to $200,000 a day or $250,000 a day that now we think it's small and normal and stuff. And it's what we're trying to do in our business is we're trying to have our first $700,000 day, $800,000 day. We're trying to figure out how do we get this bigger because our perspective has changed so much just by doing different type of numbers. I mean, it's really all relative. I we I feel very similar at 200 grand a day than I felt at 50 grand a day or 40. It's just all numbers. It's just really all numbers and math and stuff and calculated risk. So going back to this risk stuff, you need to know when to take risks and um, you need to know when to when to not take risks. So let's talk about some different risks that exist in the business. Okay, so there's new business venture risk. This comes up all the time. And you need to be careful that if there's a new opportunity, you need to make sure that the new opportunity doesn't actually, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't distract you or something. I mean, every single week, every single day, practically, my brother and I have been presented with different business opportunities, whether it's open up an insurance agency, whether it's get into day trading, whether it's some crypto thing, whether it's this or that, or get into e-commerce, or start um, a tool, or start our own SaaS software. There, there's just always been some kind of new business opportunity that's possible. Real estate, um, different investing, but all of these things are good, and I'm not saying these things are bad, but what you have to figure out is you need to put together a plan for your business, and what you need to do is you need to make sure that if you take on a new business venture, that it's not actually something that is a negative thing. You need to ask yourself, what is the chances of it working out? When do you think it will work out? What is the likelihood of it making money? Or is there a higher probability that it could lose money and not work out? Is the new business venture a distraction from something else? Is it essentially just going to take away from your primary business and what you're doing now? And ultimately, is it worth it? And I would say just 98% of the time lately, my brother and I have been rejecting different business opportunities because we feel like it would be a distraction from what we're doing. But we're finally starting to open up to some new things. I have an opportunity that we're working on. Um, I can't, unfortunately, I can't say much about it because it's something proprietary and something special. But if this works, it would be a good complement to our existing business. Let's put it that way, because I would be able to send traffic to it ourselves. And I think that's the reason why I'm moving forward with this opportunity that's being presented is because it's something that we're going to be able to still leverage, optimize to convert and the traffic, and it's going to be something that we can send our own traffic to. And in a sense, the opportunity is building our own um, 
product, you know, building, becoming our own advertiser in a sense. Again, I don't want to get into too much specific details about it, but the reason I am actually contemplating this thing seriously and moving forward as of now is just because I view it as a complement to our business. If we're able to build something else that has value, perhaps that could be sold someday for a lot of money, but then it also complements what we're doing because optimized to convert business will be able to send traffic to it so it's not some huge distraction thing we're not going to divert all of our time or just get our team really scattered it's just a really good fit so you just got to realize there's a lot of shiny objects and you have to really what you have to get good at is you have to start getting good at figuring out if these things are going to be able to be successful or not which is maybe one of the hardest things if every business owner knew that their business was going to be successful or not before they started, the failure rate would not be so high in business. I mean, I think there's statistics out there where some crazy percent, like 80% of businesses don't even make it past their first year or two. If everyone had some kind of foreknowledge or better estimating of whether they it would actually succeed or not, they would just not get into the business in the first place if it wasn't going to work. And... What we've gotten very good in our business about doing is we've gotten very good at estimating if an offer is going to work ahead of time, actually. It's a skill that we've developed. And I'll shed some light on the logic behind it, but we do sales calls all of the time. I would say every single week, I've probably been on the phone with at least five to ten brand new potential clients for internet marketing every single week. And at this point, we do a lot more than lead gen. We do a lot more than pay-per-call. We're basically open to promoting anything that could be promoted online and even offline. We're getting into some offline form of advertising too. So at this point, we've, we're have we not you know, in a box. We're outside of a box. We're willing to promote anything, any vertical. It has to be ethical and it has to be honest, though. It can't be some grimy thing. I mean, we stay away from adult and just, you know, things that are just morally just kind of messed up and stuff. But as long as the vertical is ethical, as long as it's a good opportunity, at this point, it literally doesn't even matter. The vertical, the it doesn't matter if it's e-commerce. It doesn't matter if it's physical products. It doesn't matter if it's lead gen. It doesn't matter if it's running ads for a brand, running ads for another company. We're literally open to anything that can make money promoted online or offline. We're not even binding ourselves to online. We're open, opening up things to offline advertising as well. I mean, my uncle is a higher up in a company called Outfront Marketing, which is similar to Lamar, they handle a lot of the billboard advertising in New York City and stuff. And do you know how big that industry is? Not even online marketing, but do you know how many billions and billions and billions of advertising dollars and revenues go into things like that? And it's just, we need to open up our minds in the affiliate marketing space. This isn't all about just Facebook ads or getting your next Facebook account. There is so much more that you could be doing with traffic sources, with different opportunities, different verticals. And going back to what I was saying, we've gotten very good at 
estimating if something is going to work. So like I've said, every single week, I've personally been on about five or 10 sales calls a week where I'm talking to a new possible client. They have something for us to promote. And you know what's funny about these sales calls is half of the time we've been spending the time on the sales call figuring out if we even want to promote it. I mean, it's like the opposite of a sales call. I would say half the time we've been turning people away. There's an example last week. We got on a call with some people that sounded promising at the time. Looking back on it, we could have vetted them better before even hopping on a call, but we jumped on a call with a solar advertiser. They wanted to do some kind of paper call thing in solar, and it was all sounding okay, sort of okay. I mean, they wanted us to produce calls in 15 states, which is not the best, but it's not the worst either. Personally, if I'm going to do solar, I would like it to be a very wide footprint because the traffic is a little bit expensive in just a few states. But basically, we went through this entire sales call, and towards the very end, I asked them, well, how many call center agents do you have? You want us to do this paper call solar thing, and you want us to be driving you these calls. I mean, how many agents are in the call center? And they go, three agents. And I'm saying, oh my goodness, I just basically wasted 30 minutes of my time because we did this whole call, talked about all this stuff. We talked about the states, we talked about payout, we talked about the model, we we talked about everything. And we get to the end of the call, they only have three call center agents. I mean, how much volume are you going to be able to produce if you're trying to do some paper call thing and you're sending phone calls to a call center and they only have three guys answering the phone and there's no hope of adding any agent soon. We literally just pretty much ended the call then and there. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I wish we found out about that earlier. We only service higher volume clients. And we just basically, and we just said, we just said, reach out when, um, when you have more agents, when, when you have at least 30, you know, when you have at least 20 or 20 or 30 agents, reach out and we can entertain it. So we're, we're pretty good at sniffing out if something is going to work, we ask very detailed questions. You know, um, there was another another opportunity. There was an opportunity last week where I was a little bit skeptical for some reason of the size of the company. And I asked them, I said, what's your budget? I said, if, I said let's, let's say that we start sending these leads. I mean, how many of these leads are you going to be buying on a daily basis or monthly basis. And they were trying to kind of avoid the question and say, oh, well, we don't really have a budget right now, but if it works out, we will buy a lot. And you know how many times we've heard that? What that basically means, reading between the lines, what that means is number one, they hardly have any money. Number two, they're banking on it working so that they could even pay you. I mean, it's just risk, risk, risk. Was running through, when people say that kind of thing, oh, we don't really have a budget, but if it works out, we can take as many as you got. Those are some scary words there because, again, that those words could be coming from some kind of client that has like $20,000 in their bank account, and this is the type of client that could not be able to pay you. Because let's say you go and send the client $60,000 of leads, and let's just pretend it didn't work out, quote-unquote, for them. 
that you're probably not going to get your invoices paid. I mean, they only have 20 grand in the bank. You just sent $60,000 of traffic. They didn't get as many sales as they wished that they had gotten. They physically can't pay you and don't have the ability to pay you or don't want to. They don't want to go into their personal pockets to pay the bill. And then next thing you know, you're stiffed. So what you got to be really good at is if you're taking on a client, whether it's in a network or a you have to get really good at discerning the client ahead of time. You got to figure out basically are they legit? Are they going to be able to pay you? You want to even feel out in a sense how confident are you that they're going to be able to pay you? And there's certain things that we regard now as a red flag. So if someone is very wishy-washy about the budget, they're very wishy-washy on how many leads they're even able to buy. Um, if they don't have that many other affiliates too, it's it's something that it should be taken with caution if they don't have that many affiliates. Because if an advertiser or a client has a lot of other affiliates, at least they are, you know, there's some kind of track record there. I would say almost every time we've actually been stiffed, it's been usually a, a newer company. It's been it's been a company that's only one or two years old. So that's something to look out for is be very careful working with startups. Um, I'm trying to work through a $24,000 stiffing with a startup that I didn't vet properly about three months ago. And... You know, the person says they're paying. I don't, I don't know if I believe it. And it's what's what's difficult is that if someone owes you $20,000, it's kind of too small to do anything about. Like you're you're you can't really take them to court over $20,000 because the issue is it would cost you much more than $20,000 in any kind of legal fees to do the the lawsuit so there's not much you can do if the size of the invoice is that small but it's something that I did not I didn't vet it properly so there was a few red flags that I should have um, taken note of so the first red flag was that the company was a new company it was literally 12 months old it was a new venture it was a new it was a startup it was a new opportunity and um, I would say 90% of the, every time Almost every time we've been stiffed, about 90%, it's been with a startup company. It's been with a company that's tr that's starting up, that's trying to get successful, and then guess what? They never succeeded, and then they can never pay their bills. So just be careful with that. So when you're, let's say you're talking to a client, you're going to want to ask the client, how long have you been in business, and you specifically the business that's being discussed. Let's just say you're talking to a client and the client is called, you know, you know, USA Hooray or something, right? You're going to want to say, well, how long has USA Hooray been around? I mean, is it about 12, 12 months old? Have you guys been operating USA Hooray for about nine years? How long has it been around? If they say it's only been around for about a year or six months or a year or two, you got to be careful the the chances of it not paying you could be very high because think about it if they do not get their business successful you're basically banking on them making their business successful because if they don't your invoices could be at risk 
of getting paid. So just be careful with startups. And this all goes back to this topic of risk in the business. You have to be constantly analyzing and discerning risk. And there's different types of risks. There's risk of taking on new business opportunities that fail. There's new client risks. Should you even take on the client? Should you not? And you know what's other risk too in the business is taking on certain offers. I mean, we're in an industry where people are constantly pitching offers. I mean, you sign up for an affiliate network and the network sends you a list of 15 offers and hey, why don't you run this one and run this one and this one's doing well. You you have to be making a decision, well, you know, what is worth testing out of this list? I mean, sometimes we've signed up for a different affiliate networks or direct clients they've sent us a list of 15 things and sometimes we haven't accepted one of them or there was an instance where there was a particular network that we signed up with to run some traffic and I think they did the thing where they sent us a list of 14 things and I think literally out of the 14 things we told them that we would run one thing it was just this one thing that we felt had the highest chances of succeeding based off of what it was the payout the metrics the mathematics what we thought it could do so if you get very good at calculating if something is going to work ahead of time you can save yourself a lot of headache you can save yourself a lot of risk and please do me a favor and and absolutely take this advice to heart about the startup thing i'm telling you if you're reckless about it and you're just very giddy and eager to get traffic started and and as startup companies you're 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 being very risky and you might not realize it i mean what if you bring on 10 clients and they're all startups and then you end up getting stiff from like half of them or something the default rate could be very 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 high for new companies make sure there's a track record i would personally like to see at minimum 2 or 3 years track record with a company that we're working with. Um, if that track record's not there, what I highly advise doing is I advise starting small, making sure they're paying you weekly. In fact, try to see if you can twist their arm to pay the invoice even quicker um, than weekly. See if they can split it up into twice a week so you're getting a very fast feedback loop. The issue is that if the people are paying you too slow, you're not going to find out that you're stiffed until a month or two later. That's the issue. How we got stiffed about $100,000 last year was that we took on an opportunity with one of these startup kind of things. And since they were paying us monthly, it took us until month two to actually learn that the invoice was never getting paid in the first place because it's, you know, you would have to send the traffic in May and then the invoice becomes due on July 1st. By the time the invoice is late and you realize that that kind of person isn't paying it's months of traffic could have gone by so just get people to pay fast be careful be if someone says they're a startup um well first of all they're never gonna like really say they're a startup you're gonna have to probe you're gonna have to ask them how long has it been in business how long have you been doing it how long has this company it's not it's not how long have they been in the industry is how long has this company been been in business whatever their current venture is they might tell you oh we started about four months ago and then you're gonna have to realize okay this has an extremely high probability of default potentially I very likely could be not paid with this opportunity and how are you gonna handle it you know are you gonna say no altogether are you gonna take it on and just make sure you're getting paid fast is there something else you can do so um, 
also what you need to calculate too is there's there's constant analysis of risk in the business what's also can be risky too is traffic sources there's some traffic sources that could actually cost so much money to figure out and that's one of the reasons why we haven't actually jumped into some of these things i was talking about the billboards about five or ten minutes ago with my uncle i could easily go to my uncle and i can get billboard space and new york city in these different places very easily but it's there's a risk management here that needs to be taken into consideration number one it's this type of advertising is literally the type of advertising where if it works out it could be um obviously a high volume traffic source and something that absolutely no affiliates are doing but if it doesn't work out you could literally spend forty thousand dollars on some kind of billboard space in New York City and not generate a pretty much a single lead from it. So there there needs to be you need to think it all through. You know, how could I do a small test? What what KPIs am I looking for? How big of a test am I willing to take? But it's not only a billboard thing. That might be a extreme example. It's anything. Let's say you want to get into native ads. I mean, people always say that on native ads don't even expect to make money until you've spent ten or twenty thousand dollars in testing. So you need to be weighing that. Like, is it worth spending ten thousand dollars in testing or fifteen thousand dollars in testing to then get profitable? To then have a campaign that does multiple millions, right? So the upside is the multiple millions. The downside is maybe losing the ten or twenty grand, trying to get there if it never gets there. So it's all about calculating this stuff. So guys, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode, but some key takeaways here is that you have to be somewhere in the upper end of the spectrum. I definitely recommend that you be a risk taker, but it has to be controlled. It has to be calculated and you don't want to be at a hundred percent. Again, hundred percent is maybe someone who's extremely reckless. They'll just like go out, get money from investors and just throw things at the wall and hope that they make money and this again this is why you have to be careful with some start because you don't know going back to the startups you don't know if the startup is is like that i mean there's the startup that stiffed us for a hundred thousand dollars they kind of were like that they they took on 10 million dollars or something from investors and then what they did was they built a team of like 150 employees and then they it's just all a pipe and a dream and stuff and basically do you know how expensive that is to have that many employees so they took on about 10 million dollars from investors they got these hundreds of employees trying to build a business quote-unquote and do something revolutionary in in online marketing and then next thing you know they're just burning like a million dollars a month on their payroll and their business operations. And I think they just burned through all the investors' money. They couldn't pay anyone. So it's, that is what I'm talking about where it's just, it's not calculated. It's just reckless. That, that, that CEO was probably at a hundred, foolish, like a hundred percent on the spectrum or just reckless risk taker. I recommend being somewhere at about 80% and maybe 80 to 85 percent at the most when it comes to taking risk and there could be periods of time where this number shifts i mean right now 
I'm probably personally only at like a 50% or 60% right now when it comes to actually taking risks in the business and trying new things and just doing crazy stuff or whatever. But I think it's a sliding scale. It, it, it's there. There's some things we're cooking on behind the scenes where it's okay. There's going to be some risk being taken. We're going to take on some hiring risks. There's some different opportunities that we want to do some some pretty aggressive hiring for, and there there is some risk involved there. Like, what if we hire four to ten people and it doesn't work out? Well, then, okay, maybe maybe six figures could be lost in that kind of activity or something, right? And some other things I want to get into is I want to test out a lot of different traffic sources. And then you have to ask yourself, if you want to test out different traffic sources, well, how many of them do you want to be testing out simultaneously? Do you want to just work on mastering the Google platform? Or do you want to work on mastering TikTok a little bit better? Or do you want to be very, very aggressive and try to be mastering Google Display, Search, Bing, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok simultaneously with a team of 25 new employees you hired, right? So now I'm that almost starts to get a little bit into the foolish kind of risk because we could do that. We can say, okay, we're going to hire 25 people and those 25 people are going to go out and they're going to master TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Google Platform, Native, GDN, and we're going to throw some online advertising into it. We're going to hire 25 people. 25 people are going to be hired. We're going to conquer all those traffic sources at once and it's going to be, you know, it's going to have such high risk reward. If we figure it out, we can make so much money. We could dominate everything because we're just on every traffic. Right. But it, but is that the best thing to do? Or is that just a little bit a foolish amount of risk? I mean, what it, it just just going from where we are now to just out of the blue hiring 25 people to master you know, nine brand new traffic sources at the same time. I mean, could that work? Sure. And it could work perhaps if it was done in a very calculated way, you would need the right people too. I mean, you would have to make sure that you're hiring the 25 best people you that were experts and really top of their game and stuff. But for us, even something like that, that's that's too risky right now. I mean, that could lose a lot of money if it wasn't carried out appropriately. I mean, think about it. You could lose money on hiring the 25 people, so you could lose money on salaries, and that doesn't even include the money you could lose testing these platforms. I mean, let, let's say it actually, you know, uh, costs money to make money. Let's say Let's say you have to incur some testing loss trying to master Twitter, Snapchat, all of these different platforms, let's just, I mean, because think about it, are the campaigns going to be instantly profitable on all these platforms? Maybe not. So it's something like that is, is too, it's that even that is too much outside of my comfort zone when it comes to risk. But maybe something that would be in my comfort zone would be maybe to hire someone for Snapchat and one person for Twitter and one person for GDN and maybe one person for Google search off of the gate right now and on a smaller scale so you know see if we can conquer these four things and then if one works maybe invest a little bit more into the one that's working and it, right so there's a way to get there but it's maybe more calculated it maybe makes more sense it's um it's not 100% on the risk scale but maybe what i just laid out there 
was 60% or 65% on the risk scale. And over time, what I just outlined there could absolutely work and it could work without incurring. And also the issue with the first scenario I described where, you know, hire 25 people, figure out how to make all these nine or 11 traffic sources all scaling to the moon. The, the, there's another risk that we haven't even been talking about besides the possibility of losing money on salaries, losing money on just testing these platforms, a risk that's not being discussed too is the risk of distraction. I mean, if, if we, if Tyler and I actually went out and hired 25 people and then was having to deal with the 25 people trying to master the TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, you, you know, Taboola, Outbrain, billboards, whatever, like all it's, we could literally be so distracted from what's actually working in our business that there's this third risk that could be the worst risk of all, which could be the distraction risk. So everything has to be calculated and everything has to be precisely thought out, calculated ahead of time. You don't want to be risk adverse. I don't really recommend anyone being less than 50% on, on the risk scale though. I mean, seriously, if you're really risk adverse and you're, you know, kind of timid to try like any of this stuff that I'm talking about, or you just want to run like your one ad on Facebook forever. I, I don't know. It seems like maybe it's not even the right industry for you. I think you have to at least be 50 to 60% on that risk scale with 100% being perhaps the reckless person and 0% being the person that doesn't want to touch anything. I think you have to at least be 50 to 60%. Otherwise, you're just going to be too scared to do anything. And um, being too scared to do anything doesn't make much money. But I hope this stuff gets you thinking and it starts helping you. And hopefully, even by listening to this podcast, hopefully... The next time you talk to a company that wants to do business with you and you find out that they've only been in business for six months, maybe think twice. Maybe um, you could also just demand the faster pay terms too. You can say, you know, I am so excited to get started, but I have to be honest, you know, I'm a little nervous because you guys are a newer company and there's no offense there, but I'm just being a little cautious and I would love to take on the project. You're just going to have to pay me every week at, at lower volume, and then if we do higher volume, you're actually going to have to shift it to twice a week pay terms. If you can't afford that, I get it. You, we don't have to work together, but that's just what we're going to have to do. It's going to have to be weekly. It's going to, and then if they tell you, oh, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we can't afford that. Do you know how happy you are that you had that conversation? If you ask someone to pay them every, pay you every week or twice a week, and then they tell you that they can't do that or they can't afford that. I mean, aren't you happy that you're walking away from that deal? They're basically just telling you that they don't have the money to pay you, right? So I hope this all just got huge value for you. Go ahead and comment below. Let me know how these things are resonating for you. Remember to like and subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you in the podcast next week. This is Peter, and we'll talk soon.